Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to Believe in Raiders podcast from the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Pleased to be joined by former Raider great Stanford Routes. Dan, how we doing? Pretty good, pretty good, man. We're getting this uh, free agency started off kind of early uh, with the franchise tag deadline today, and we got some other news of a official departure from Raider Nation. We do indeed, but let's begin with the Raiders placing the franchise tag on running back Josh Jacobs. Now, the Raiders originally declined to pick up the fifth-year option on Jacobs, and then Stan, all he did was go out and lead the NFL in rushing. Uh, he's the first Raider to do so since Marcus Allen back in 1985. Stan, what's your take on the move by the Raiders? Oh, I think that, uh, I mean, they really didn't have a choice. And I think that it's, this serves them right because you did not pick up the friend, you did not pick up his fifth year option. And then he goes out there and has a monster year, leads the league in rushing and goes to the Pro Bowl and uh, makes all pro. So, yeah, you didn't want to let him walk right out the front door. But, oh, yeah, you could have had him for another fifth year if you would have damn picked it up. But you didn't do that. So now you got to go ahead and pay him a salary that is equal to the average of the top five in his position. So you made your bet. Now you got to lie in it, Las Vegas Raiders. Stan Jacobs is due to make just over $10 million right now in 2023, and the Raiders still have over $39 million in cap space, according to Over the Cap, and could create more through roster cuts, restructures, extension, things like that. It's also important to remember this, Stan, that the Raiders still have until July 17th the deadline for franchise tag players to agree to multi-year contracts to continue working on potential an extension with Jacobs. Stan, Jacobs is only 25 years old, and we know the starting salary for next year is going to be right around $10 million or so. So if they reach a long-term agreement with him before that July 17th deadline, what kind of contract would you give him? What type of contract would I give him, or what type yes. of contract would I want if I was Josh Jacobs? How about both? Okay, what type of contract would I give him? I could see myself giving him, uh, let's say, two years, $25 million, uh, let's say fourteen and a half guaranteed, something like that, where I could still get, get out from up under it if, let's say, his legs uh, go ahead and disappear overnight. Uh, that's what I would think if I'm the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, conversely, if I'm Josh Jacobs, I'm thinking somewhere in the ballpark of, because I already know that I have this $10 million for one season in my back pocket. I'm thinking somewhere in the ballpark of 13 to 14 million a year and with a a, hel a healthy uh, amount of guarantee because I need some reassurances. Stan, let me ask you this. I, and I'm very curious. You played eight years in the NFL. How does negotiations work between a player, a team, and an agent? Is it strictly conversations between the player's agent and the team and the agent goes back to the team? Or can you walk us through how that entire process works? Oh, basically the agent is the middleman. So yeah, the agent will go talk with the GM or the VP of football operations or whoever does the negotiating for that respective team. And then they'll throw out a number and then your agent will go back and tell the player, Hey, this is what they said. Well, now the player is going to say, okay, uh, I kind of like that, or I don't like that. And then the agent will then go right back to the GM or whoever they're negotiated with for their respective team. And then it's really just a game of, 
It's really just a game of telephone. And you have that one person who's right there in the middle. That is the medium that's delivering the messages back and forth. And so that's pretty much how it starts. The team is usually going to have an opening offer and then you'll have a counter offer. And then that's when the horse race really begins. That's when the jockeying for position ensues and then so forth. And hopefully it stays peaceful. Hopefully it stays on the uh, congenial side of things, but sometimes it can get very contentious and downright ugly. But Stan, I mean, are, are, are the, is the agent and the team talking every day? Or are they talking every, like, you know, maybe once a week? Like it you just, said, if it can get it, contentious, how do it know? all? It all depends on exactly. See, right now with Josh Jacobs, they'll probably talk once a week. Okay. Because they have all the way until July to, you know, come to an agreement because of the deadline. Now, for other impending free agents right now that are going to be free as of what a week from now or whenever free agency opens up for the NFL, the start of the new league year, they got to make sure that, okay, let's go ahead and try to get those guys locked up before they officially hit free agency. And then we can go ahead and lose them. So those are the ones we're talking every day, the agent and the team, they're talking every day. They're talking uh, probably maybe a couple times an hour and trying to get something done, trying to get some sort of agreement within principle. And then you'll get to the dealing with the fine print, dealing with the exact what part of the, whether it's guaranteed or whether it's going to be salary, you know, signing bonus, all of that. But it's definitely something that it it it's very tedious, no doubt about that. For GMs this time of the year, they don't really get much sleep because people are negotiating contracts at two, three o'clock in the morning mm. and then got to go and turn around and be right back up at work at 730 a.m. So right now is the time where GMs and agents do not get much sleep at all. Very interesting. All right. Before we move on, let's get our sponsorship read in here and bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAVE to receive your rewards. BetOnline. Where the game starts. All right, Stan, right now we don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be for the Raiders. Um, let's talk about this situation now. We know Tom Brady's no longer an option. Uh, from GM Dave Ziegler's comments at the Combine, it doesn't sound like they are interested in Aaron Rodgers. So the team has the seventh pick in the draft. And unless they trade up, Stan, I don't think it's going to be Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Will Levis is going to be there for him. And to me, I wouldn't take Florida's Anthony Richardson at number seven. I know he's rising up the boards after his great combine. And Stan, this is just my opinion, and, and, and you tell me what you think. I think they are realistically starting to look at a day-two quarterback like a Fresno State's Jake Hayner or maybe a Tennessee's Hendon Hooker and then signing a free agent like a Jimmy Garoppolo. Stan, what do you think of my thoughts? Am I completely crazy or is there some, you know, maybe some legitimacy there? No, you're not completely crazy uh, just because when you look at the entire landscape of things, everything that you just laid out, and then I'll go ahead and add to that. I'll piggyback on that. So right now we can clearly see that they're not going to be high enough to get a Bryce Young out of Alabama, presumably. Bryce Young measured at 5'10", uh, what was just over 200 pounds. So 
I, hey, I get it. You see Kyler Murray, you see Drew Brees, one of my favorites of all time from the state of Texas. So, you know, I ride with all my Texas guys. You do. And then Russell Wilson. So it shows that you don't have to be a tall quarterback to be able to play in this league. But that's still something that I tend to shy away from. Not saying it can't be done, but I tend to get a little bit leery. And that's Bryce Young out of Alabama. And I've watched him play and he is a, a flat out stud. So he, to me, is the one that, okay, I really feel like he's probably the guy that has the best opportunity, the best chance of really being a stud, really being a star, and transferring his success in college to the NFL. But I even have my trepidations with him because of his size. We go to C.J. Stroud. I will ask this question one more time. I ask for anybody listening. I want somebody to tell me the last Ohio State quarterback in the NFL who actually played better than average to mediocre. You and I, I know we've talked about this a lot. I can't, but let me ask you this at some point, Stan, one of those quarterbacks has finally got to break through and, and be a, how about just a good starting quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, right? you're right. Okay. At some point. Yes. But if I'm, if I'm the, the Raiders brass, if I'm Ziggler, like, do I really want to be the one to roll the dice? Because right now, we're in a situation where we got to improve the defense and we got to find a quarterback going forward. Yep. I'm not sure that I I'm not sure I want to roll the dice right now on that because I'm in a dire position. Our franchise quarterback, we just benched him. He's now a New Orleans Saint. We got to find somebody because this fan base, they're not going to be patient much longer. They're not. So I need to find something that's more of a definite, more of a definitive. That's why, like what you were just saying, signing a Jimmy Garoppolo and then drafting a day two guy may be the way to go. I'll go. Uh, I'll continue to go down the list. We look at Will Levis. Uh, I'm watching the combine. This guy threw 22 touchdowns and 10 ints this past season. Like, and we're in the NFL or the the NFL Network, the combine or whatever is is already touting this guy as possibly going in the top six, top seven picks. 22 touchdowns and 10, uh, 10 INTs. I'm sorry. Uh, whoa, DA, uh, what the hell? I understand. I'm and then you. all of a sudden, he, he's just he's just automatically anointed as being a, a for sure, surefire top 15 pick. I don't know about all that. Hey, listen, he may go on and have a great career. I'm just simply saying, I don't want my franchise quarterback that I'm taking in the top 10. I don't want have. I don't want those paltry numbers. I don't. I want the numbers looking like Bryce Young or like Tua coming out of Alabama or just looking uh, like Joe Burrow coming out of LSU or Trevor Lawrence. I can go all the way down the list. Uh, Justin Herbert. So now we get to Anthony Richardson. And I'm watching this guy at the combine. Obviously, he ran fast. He jumped high. did all of that. Great athlete, stud, all of that. Much respect to him. Much love. But I'll go ahead. This is why... The NFL draft has gotten so publicized. It's gotten so much of a spectacle. It's gotten so much of a fanfare where now you start to see certain quarterbacks and then you think to yourself, God, what was what was Florida's record this past year? You know six, six and six, Stan. Exactly. And they apparently have a, a quarterback who's, who should be going top 15. And they went six and goddamn six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why, to me, I, and I think the Raiders are starting to look at it from this perspective of, man, 
yeah, these guys might turn out to all be studs. This may be a draft that's like the 1983 one where you had uh, uh, Dan Marino and where you had John Elway. Like It might very well be. It might. But do I really, really want to roll the dice with my job security, security on that? I'm not so sure. That's what they're probably thinking. So that's why taking a day two guy, letting him be a project, go ahead, groom him, train him, work on him while signing a Jimmy G, somebody who you know very well understands that uh, Josh McDaniels uh, offensive scheme, that may very well be the way to go because all these quarterbacks, all of them have a yeah, but whenever you're describing everything that they could be or their talents in that right there for a GM, that's that 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 uh that involves that brings you to having a cause to pause. It gives you trepidation and it also gives you a little bit of fear. I agree. Stan, I'm a little old school and let me ask you this. If if I'm a GM and I and we saw it last year or two years ago with the Jets that took Zach Wilson after the guy played just one year. I'm going to look at my I'm going to look at a kid who's played college at least 3 years. I'm going to take his body of work and I'm going to roll with somebody who's played 3 years who I know yeah. is a proven starter in college than a one one year wonder. I I just, Exactly. I don't get it, Stan. I just don't understand. It's like they fall because, in love with the unknown, Stan. That's what they do yeah, to me. Yeah, because I'm sorry, go ahead and finish. No, no. I, I did. You go ahead. Because what it is to see now the NFL and just football has now gotten so fixated on what's the most important position in football? Quarterback. The quarterback. So now every team feels that we need a franchise quarterback. We need a stud quarterback to be successful. So now that GM, he's only given about, what, two years, maybe three, to go ahead and build up a team. So he's feeling the pressure of, okay, I got to get somebody. I can't go get one of these retreads because it's proven that they're not a franchise quarterback, even though we saw what my man Geno Smith just got from the Seattle yeah. Seahawks. So much love to him. I love the way that he's been able to bounce back, persevere. He definitely earned everything that he got from the Seattle Seahawks today. Much love, much respect to him. I just want to go ahead and say that. So that's why now, if we're not going to go and get one of these retread guys, it's been a little bit of a journeyman so far earlier in their career. Well, now we have to go to the draft. And if I'm not picking in the top 15, I'm not going to be able to get one of these highly touted guys. So now I'm forced to be in a situation where I have to go and take a quarterback, even though I'm not exactly in love with him, but he's the best that's available. So I'm not going to go and get one of these journeyman guys. I can't go and get uh, Pat Mahomes because the Chiefs ain't trading him or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. You know what I'm saying. So I got to go to the draft. Well, I don't want to draft some seventh rounder and pray that he winds up being Brock Purdy is Mr. Irrelevant. I got to take somebody very, very high in the draft. Well, that's all that's available. So you know what I got to do? I got to just choose from that crop that's coming out in this year's draft because I don't have until 2024. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do when I don't turn this team into having a very, very obvious improvement in 2023, I'm probably going to get fired. So now I'm being pressured into drafting a quarterback that I'm not necessarily in love with. And that right there, my friend, is the vicious cycle that these GMs have because so much has been publicized about the quarterback. It's all about the quarterback. And I'll even go to the business side of the NFL. Well, the business side, the NFL is all about the almighty dollar. Mm -hmm. The NFL wants to keep their sponsors. Well, guess what? The sponsors... They want to see that the NFL is in good hands. They want to see a lot of points being scored. They want to see touchdowns being thrown. So for the NFL, 
it behooves the NFL to show their sponsors, hey, we always got young talent coming in at quarterback. <laughs> we always got young talent coming in at the combine. You see that big, strong arm? You see that throw that Anthony Richardson just made? You see that throw that Will Levis just made? I mean, look at him. He's rocked up in his, in his, in his outfit while he's working out at the combine. So it is always about the almighty dollar. So for the NFL, they are always going to pub and push some quarterback who we look at. What record? What was his team's record last year? There's always going to be somebody in the draft where you're like, what? They went five and seven last year? <laughs> and why did that dude just go number nine overall mm -hmm. to whoever? There's always going to be that. And because for the NFL, they need their sponsors to always feel that they are in a comfortable position, that the NFL is always producing young, generational, electric talent at the quarterback position. And for the GMs, they don't want to lose their job, so they have to roll the dice on somebody that they may not be in love with. All right, well, the New Orleans Saints stand. They're going to roll the dice on former Raider quarterback Derek Carr. He reportedly agreed to a three-year deal that could potentially be worth up to $150 million, and that includes $100 million in guarantees. Stan, I feel like New Orleans was a good landing spot for him. you agree? Uh, yeah, I mean, when you really look at how everything played out with the Jets, the Panthers, and the Saints, and I think it may have been one other team that uh, was possibly actually in the legitimate Derek Carr sweepstakes. You look at the Jets, Derek Carr coming from Northern California also has, has spent some time in Houston while David Carr was the quarterback way back in the early 2000s. Derek Carr doesn't really strike me as a big city type of guy, like the big apple. He don't really strike me as that type. So I never thought that was going to be a good fit for him from a mentality standpoint, from a value standpoint and all of that. Yes, the New York Jets, they have a great defense. Obviously, they're a quarterback away. That's what a lot of people think. But I just feel that that probably wasn't the best fit for him mentally and personally. You go to Carolina. Okay, yeah, Carolina, they got what? Draft capital. Yeah, they got young players, but we don't know what the hell Carolina is going to be. But with the New Orleans Saints, you know that they have a pretty good defense. You still know that you got Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, depending on whatever's going to happen with him on the legal side of things. So but with it being in the South, New Orleans, the Big Easy, a team that is going to embrace him, a, a town that's going to embrace him. I think that that overall, when you look at on the field, when you look at the personnel, when you look at everything off the field, I feel that that was the best fit for Derek Carr. And then on top of that, he instantaneously is the favorite to win the NFC South. Yeah, that, was, Tom my, Brady was, yeah, that was my thing, Stan. I mean, he's obviously reunited with uh, Dennis Allen, who was the Raiders coach when the team drafted Carr back in uh, 2014. Yeah. And mm -hmm. to me, Stan, he's arguably gone from the worst QB in the AFC West to the best QB now in the AFC South. I mean, he's clearly exactly. an upgrade for the Saints from Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, excuse me. Uh, the Falcons, they basically have second-year quarterback Desmond Ritter, who got his feet wet a little bit last year with the Falcons. And then there's mm -hmm. Tampa Bay. I looked at their quarterback like, situation, Stan. Blaine Gabbard, <laughs> Kyle Trask. They're as clueless as the Raiders are on who the quarterback's <laughs> going to be. Like, then, we don't know who the quarterback is. Exactly. And then the Panthers, Stan, they've got four quarterbacks led by Sam Darnold. I mean, so, I don't know. I think, you know what, nobody in that division finished over 500 last year. I just think for Derek, it was a good move. He's playing indoors, Stan. Weather's not going to be a factor. There's always, and I don't know if there's any validity to this, but there was always that thing Derek doesn't like to play in cold weather. I don't know if there's any validity to that. But look, if he gets eight 
eight, nine games in a dome now. Atlanta plays in a dome. Carolina's good weather. Tampa's good weather. I think he fits right in with Aaron. Honestly, yeah. for everything that he's been through with the Raiders, I wish the guy nothing but success, and I hopefully he does really well with New Orleans, and I hope he leads them to the playoffs next year uh, in the Big Easy. I, I, I really, really do. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that's a good spot for him. It's going to be interesting to see how, how everything plays out. I think that when you really look at the entire landscape, I think for Derek Carr, what probably frustrates a lot of people about him is the simple fact that by the time you get to expecting him to play good after about two or three good games, by the time you get to the point to where you feel like you can almost book it the same way that you know with the, with the certainty that Monday comes after Sunday, that's when he'll give you a dud of a game yeah. against, let's say, the Chicago Bears or let's say the Washington Commanders. And because you feel that you can't completely book it, because you feel that you can't completely just go ahead and stamp it with that, with that uncertainty level of confidence like you could with a Tom Brady, a Pat Mahomes, a Justin Herbert, a uh, Drew Brees back when he was playing, a Peyton Manning, you know, all those guys. That, to me, is probably what frustrates people the most about Derek Carr is just the lack of consistency, even though you know that he has all the ability. He certainly does, and we'll see how it all plays out for Derek because he's got a fresh start in the Big Easy. So, All right, Stan, good stuff. And uh, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. From my partner, Stanford Route, I'm Dennis Sackerman. Thanks so much for listening, and may all your punts Find the Coffin Corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.